When you are building something no one has ever seen, something no one has ever imagined, who can you turn to for help? The answer is the other people who are facing the same issues you are. Those product inventing, boundary pushing, design obsessed folks who are just like you. Welcome to AWS Startup Stories. I'm Michelle Kung. And I'm Michael Copeland. What follows are the tools that work, the leadership practices that make a difference, and the lessons you only learn by building a company. And one more thing, what startup jockeys do with a very rare item, their downtime. So let's get to it. We're taking a deep dive into ASEAN in the following podcast, talking with founders and investors from one of the world's fastest growing startup ecosystems. From Singapore to Ho Chi Minh City, Bangkok, Jakarta, and other parts of the region, hear how entrepreneurs are tackling this massive market, what investors are hunting for, and why startups are having such an impact across all dimensions in this part of the world. Welcome to AWS Startups Podcast. I'm here with Bin Tran, while I'm here virtually, who is in Ho Chi Minh City and is a general partner in 500 Startups Vietnam and a partner in uh, 500 Startups, the, the mothership, as it were. Bin, welcome. Thank you for having me. Really glad to be here. Well, I'm glad you could join us. And I, I, I want to dig into Vietnam. I want to dig into, you know, you kind of straddled two words. I, I, I mean, I think, well, I know you from Silicon Valley and from clout, uh, clout with a K, which we all loved and miss. And so you are this serial entrepreneur, now investor. But I want to talk about that kind of like bifurcated world of yours and then what you're looking for in Vietnam. Let's start, though, with how you made this transition from entrepreneur to investor. Yeah, absolutely. I think that story is uh, you know, often told in a similar, similar vein. No one from the operations side ever thinks they're going to be an investor. I didn't. I didn't picture myself being a fund manager. It kind of fell on my lap when I saw the opportunities over here. So uh, it happened after uh, the cloud exit, which was in 2014. I met a, uh, a friend at the World Cup uh, Brazil. And he had just told me he invested in a company called Grab Taxi. Uh, and I should be taking a book uh-huh. over in this region and seeing what's going on, especially uh, Vietnam. Turns out he was right. That basically is the journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked to some um, VCs in, in Vietnam, and Vietnam is one of those, like, and Southeast Asia, um, just more broadly, is this just incredibly fast-growing place. GDP has kind of hit this point where, you know, people are taking a couple steps up an economic ladder, so the market's getting bigger. What do you see in particular in, in Vietnam as an investing ecosystem, and, and where are you kind of keeping your eye and keeping your focus? Yeah, I, I think it really starts with the general uh, idea that, you know, this innovation can happen anywhere. There's smart people everywhere. You know, I think for 500, 10 years ago, very few Silicon Valley firms were investing outside of Silicon Valley. You know, so 500 was one of those brands that was looking beyond Silicon Valley. And that resonated well with me being a war refugee. And so my my thinking was, OK, well, what we've got this amazing growth opportunity and massive companies being built in you know, China and India, you know, Southeast Asia. We've got six six hundred fifty million people. Very similar stories of you know low income folks moving into middle income. Yeah, you know what's 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 going on in that region, and so that started the whole you know, wheel of thinking. The cause of like where does Vietnam fit in this 
like larger picture. And so then uh, the thesis there was just really around the software engineers that were plentiful here. You know, Vietnam being a communist country, you really have not a lot of programs around liberal arts in the universities. You know, most of the education is focused is focused on math and science, STEM. Right. And so, you know, for 30 years, you know, Vietnam has been really just outsourcing software. So you have this kind of heavy, dense population of software engineers. And so our thesis was, hey, there's there's these grabs of the world, these grabs of Southeast Asia, these large companies that are going to be built over the next decade. Uh, they're going to have engineers in Vietnam. You know, how how can we, how can we get in that deal flow? How can can we participate in that growth? You did your time, and maybe I shouldn't phrase it that way, but you know Silicon Valley very well. <laughs> how do you describe kind of what's being built in Vietnam as both similar and Southeast Asia more broadly, I should say, as both similar and then sort of unique and maybe even sort of leapfrogging other parts of the world? Yeah, the similarities aren't, I, I guess I guess there's opportunities in software that where I focus. So there's VC scale here, but to do VC scale, you're going to have to piece together a bunch of very, very different markets. Right. You have Indonesia, you have Malaysia, you have Philippines, Vietnam. You know, those are all separate ecosystems with their own regulatory barriers and, and languages and cultures. So to get to VC scale, you're going to have to approach in a very different way. And so it's collectively, Southeast Asia is only you know, 5 10% the entire market of the U.S., and so you really have to look at um, looking at certain sectors, uh, really looking at universal basic needs, things around education and healthcare. And so you do have to be a little bit more selective on where you focus. But I think the the biggest difference here is uh, the shortage of talent. You know, Silicon Valley just has you know it's a magnet for folks who are looking to you know, create big, large, impactful companies and globally becomes a magnet for that type of talent. So I think while, you know, Southeast Asia does have that gap, it's, it's improving. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting kind of phenomena. Like, so Israel, for example, is another place that's become this real kind of center of gravity for entrepreneurism and, but it took decades, right? Like it doesn't happen overnight and you need to build this ecosystem and, and keep building it. How would you characterize where Southeast Asia and Vietnam in particular is in that kind of continuum? And, and what can you and 500 startups do to really start to get that flywheel of entrepreneurism and, you know, impact, you know, at the end of the day going? I think a decade ago, Singapore didn't have the rich venture capital ecosystem it does now. Yeah, I, I think uh, collectively in Southeast Asia, the entire ecosystem is about five, six years old. And so you really think that if you compare that to Silicon Valley, it's it's apples and oranges. Yeah, you know I think there's uh, really great opportunities here if you uh, are willing to adjust the mindset of what to expect. There's obviously great opportunities to leapfrog. There's certain sectors where you can take a look at the kind of global market leaders and say, hey, they're they're largely ignoring this this region. You know, they may have a satellite office in in Singapore, but their product doesn't have localization. They don't have support teams here. You know, they're not priced accordingly. 
those are great opportunities for, for you to build the next, you know, say, Zendesk for Southeast Asia. Right. What is your model then or your kind of approach for 500 startups Vietnam then? Like what kind of scale are you looking for? What I know 500 startups invest very early or it can, but are you looking for the very earliest stage? And as a company that could start in Vietnam and expand more broadly across Southeast Asia and possibly the globe, or are you looking more regionally? How do you look at that marketplace? You know, our check sizes are pretty small. So we're looking at $100,000 to $200,000. Uh, that means at the seed rounds and pre-seed rounds, we are taking maybe you know five to ten percent of the company. Mm-hmm. Now, that means you know a lot of the times these companies are pre-revenue or under a million dollars in revenue. We are expecting VC scale though, so we're identifying teams and markets where you know we're really looking from an idea stage to say a hundred million dollars in revenue in five to seven years. Right. Right. And so to, to be able to get to that, that means, you know, either you're in a sector just for Vietnam, you're, you're absolutely number one. Um, otherwise you are, you know, tackling a, a market where you're a first mover and you've pieced together a couple separate markets, maybe Malaysia, Indonesia, and Vietnam. So we are looking for regional and scale for those that are uh, we're investing in the U.S. because there, there's quite a few of those U.S.-based companies that leverage low-cost, high-tech talent in Vietnam, but sell in the U.S. We have uh, a few of those examples as well. Right. Can you give us an example of you know the the kind of regional pan Southeast Asia company that you guys have invested in and, and kind of break it down for us, like what what it was about that team that problem, that opportunity that you guys saw in particular and that, that you, you stepped forward and invested? Sure. Yeah. There's this company called uh, Trusting Social. Um, they, they're trying to build credit scores for the underbanked. So it's a financial inclusion problem. If you look at uh, markets like Vietnam, the Philippines, and uh, I believe Indonesia is too, you don't have credit scores. You know, five years ago, uh, Vietnam had maybe only 15, 20% of its population even have bank accounts. However, you know, everyone had phones and those phones needed to be topped up. They needed, you needed to add money to the, to the phone plan. So prepaid uh, plans. You also had to subscribe to certain data, uh, data plans to be able to access the internet. That's all financial behavior, you know, but they're, they're with the telecoms that really don't have, uh, any incentive to use it or, or develop anything out of it. So a trusting social approached the telecoms and said, Hey, you know, you're sitting on 40, 50 million subscriber, really interesting data, uh, around, I guess, cellular usage. What if we could generate revenue out of that and do a rev share? And that's, that's what they exactly did. They started in Vietnam. Uh, now, uh, I believe one in three consumer loans are made possible by them. They, uh, don't actually do the lending, so they don't really have to go through the barriers of getting a lending license. And so they've been able to approach um, and enter new markets like the Philippines, Bangladesh, and really approach it from an uh, innovative way. Uh, at the same time, you know, allowing a farmer in the rural areas to be able to access a $100 loan. Right. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's super cool. Where they're looking at behavior and data to say like, yeah, that person is a good bet 
for that loan and go make it. Yeah, that's that's super cool. Do you miss being an entrepreneur? I mean, you're doing something very entrepreneurial now, that's for sure. But do you have it? I, I also know that you, you know, you you have your hands or you had your hands in a couple of restaurants. Um, you know, you you seem to have this voracious entrepreneurial kind of energy. So do you miss being at the, the wheel of a startup as well? I do. And uh, as my, my co- old co-founder would put it, you know, we're, we're entrepreneurs because no one would hire us. <laughs> and I think that's kind of true. I think for, for me, the, the biggest thing I miss, I think it's just, <laughs> it sounds a little uh, cheesy, but the ups and downs that you share with your team, you know, it's just that cadence, weekly cadence of your, you working on a very focused singular problem and then realizing success or, 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 you know, failure at the end of the week, just that really close tight knit bond that a team in a startup you know, provides. I think in a, in a investment team, it's, it's slightly different. There's definitely uh, strong bonds you have with your investment team, but uh, for the most part, it's, it's a very, uh, you know, a solidary experience. You're, you're off on your own talking to, to founders. You've got your relationships with your LPs. And so it feels slightly different. That said, you know, the enjoyment is really through the impact, you know, especially here in this part of the world where I think most of what we're doing does have a social positive impact. I want to talk about that a little bit because, you know, you could have been an investor anywhere in the world that you wanted to. You chose to focus on Vietnam and I guess go back to Vietnam in some ways. So, so why do that? And why maybe can you have an outsized impact um, in that part of the world versus moving to London or, you know, sticking around in Silicon Valley? I think it's the same uh, same reason that founders um, are starting companies over here. I think uh, being a first or second mover, I'm able to build something that's uh, institutional. Uh, I think when we first started the fund out here, we were the first uh, Silicon Silicon Valley based fund in Vietnam. Now we're we're the most active investor in the last decade. Right. And so being early in the market uh, helps us really. Build a, a, a longer lasting brand, and what we're doing is not just deploying capital. We're building the ecosystem, right? And so, you know, when we first deployed capital out here, I was really appalled by some of the behavior of the investors. You know, people would ask for their money back. You know, uh, investors would be sitting at the very earliest stages. You know, owning half the company. Yeesh. Yeah, yeah. So being able to go in change that uh, standard practices and really help entrepreneurs and founders get a better uh, incentive base, have a better footing for success. That's something that doesn't come in in terms of opportunity every day. Right. And and so over that time, over the decade or so, I imagine, and I'm, I'm certainly hearing about it from, from other folks in your, in Ho Chi Minh City and Saigon and, and other places, but that like it's happening, right? It's, you know, you guys are doing it. What have you seen in terms of change and what are you kind of proud of and where do you need to push harder on, do you think? Well, I think the the trend that I feel pretty good about is the first few years when we're, we're investing. Well, first few years for raising the fund was quite difficult. I think uh, a, lot of, a lot of people are asking me, why Vietnam? Really, really experienced a lot of friction on selling the idea of Vietnam. Fast forward, you know, I think, I think, the LP base, the appetite has has been improved quite a bit. 
But I think um, from a entrepreneurship standpoint, we were investing in mostly folks who, who were educated overseas and folks who were working in companies overseas for the most part. Right. That trend of uh, investing in local Vietnamese, local Vietnamese having enough it's know-how and ambition to build a VC scalable company. It's just started to increase over the last uh, two to three years. And so we're seeing a lot more of our portfolio being founded by local Vietnamese. And, and part of the reason for that is you have all these, I guess, VC backed companies, Tiki and Shopee, VNG, where they're turning out more the, I guess, newer generation of, of product people. People who are building products that are customer-centric, using modern software methodologies, so on and so forth. And so that trickle-down effect of, you know, that director of engineering that's going off and starting his own company, that's starting to happen. Right, right. That success begets more success. And yeah, yeah. What would you tell entrepreneurs who are building things right now? I mean, we're in this period that's unlike anything most of us have ever seen, I think any of us for that matter. And yet there's some kind of similarities just to tough times, but is now a good time to be building things? And, and how do you think about that when you talk to your portfolio and, and to other entrepreneurs? Yeah, building something is it's so personal, right? You know, I I'll have always built products, you know, prior to being an investor. There's times where you wrap a company behind it. And there's times where you raise money behind it. But I think if you're a builder, you're always building. I think when it comes to uh, a crisis, you know, it's often, you know, entrepreneurship becomes a necessity. Right? If you're laid off and can't find a job and all you do have is, is free time. Yeah, that, that idea that you had, you know, percolating, you're, you're on it, right? Right. And so, you know, from a uh, product standpoint, yeah, you should always be building um, if you, if you've got the time, even if you have a job, you know, continue to build the nights and weekends, uh, and, and see what, see what, what comes up from a capital perspective. Yes. It's, it's a great time. I think first, you know, there's going to be uh, a ton of capital for you, you know, a record number of funds have closed with the record volume of dollars and, you know, investors are hungry. They have to deploy that capital. Right. I think as long as you have a great story. Uh, I think investors are deploying capital, but they're a little bit more careful than they have been the last few years. Probably a good thing. Probably a good thing, you know, in, in many ways. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm super glad to hear that the optimism in your comments. And um, I mean, like you say, builders are always out there building. And now's now's one of those times where maybe you have the time, maybe you have the access to the capital, too. You know, so why not? And, and it's not just about um, access to capital and, and the free time. There's massive problems in the world. We take a look at Southeast Asia. You know, you have long tail of SMEs that have just businesses have just gone on the internet for the first time, right? So, I mean, if you look at a company like Trip Actions, corporate expensing, right? A massive business in the U.S. You can imagine what people are using over here. Nothing. Right. It's just lighting up over there. Yeah. Absolutely. So, very exciting times if you know what to look for. I want to jump into these questions that we ask everyone. You'll have no choice to use both your investor hat and your, your entrepreneur hat, but with your permission, we'll get right to it. A tool that you use on a regular basis, something that you kind of can't live without. <laughs> it's not quite a tool. It's more of an appliance. <laughs> but my 
chili, <laughs> my chili pad cooling mattress is has enabled me to have much longer and deeper nights of sleep. I run hot, uh-huh. and I wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm, I'll be sweating, especially here in Southeast Asia. So I actually brought it on the plane with me. It's a soft pad with rubber tubing for water. Uh, it's connect, connected to a separate unit that cools the water. And uh, by God, this thing has uh, been transformative. That ah, sounds great, I have to say. <laughs> I actually use it in San Francisco, even in the coldest days of San Francisco. So You do run hot then, that's for sure. Well, that, that actually sounds awesome. A leadership practice or routine, something you guys do, um, that you've done with your team that you think works. And we did this at Cloud. You know, to, to encourage curiosity, to help team members uh, improve their communication and presentation skills, to help everyone improve self-awareness, we have this weekly sharing exercise where a designated team member selects and chooses a topic to read and present to the rest of the team. This could be a, a, an article, a blog post, research paper. It could be anything relevant to the team. For software engineers, it might be a new design pattern. For marketing, it could be uh, what are the trends around earned media. The, the idea is that the individual gets to discuss uh, around a topic that they really think is important, drive that discussion. Uh, they get better in presenting, and the entire team gets to learn about something interesting. Oh, that's great. And I like the, I like the forcing function, too. You know, look, it's your turn. You know, you're up. And And did you find that it helped the team kind of become more cohesive as well? I mean, I guess you learn something about, you know, your, your coworkers' interests, but what were the sort of knock-on effects of, of doing that? Yeah, just that self-awareness of the individual, but also how the individual fits within the team, their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, it just creates bonds. Uh, I think this is great for team productivity overall. Yeah. A lesson learned. Now, this could be something you were happy to learn or something that you were less than happy to learn. Uh, one lesson is um, imposter syndrome is quite normal. I guess that the feeling of self-doubt, not being good enough, you know, despite evidence of success, you know, that it's something I've always had. So not success, it's just the self-doubt. How I've come to accept it is just basically realizing that you know, continuous learning is a huge part of life. For example, my, I, I have eight years of experience in investing. That's still quite new. I'm still quite new to investing. And before that, that was my first time building a venture-backed tech company. So uh, not being an expert is uh, the byproduct of constantly learning. Right. I'm okay with that. That's great. And how do you, we have a certain amount of time. How do you keep that continuous learning, you know, lit up? And are there any ways that you would suggest to continue with that? I mean, you can short circuit, I guess, folks who are, if you have a, a great mentor, mm-hmm. you know, is one great way. Uh, peer groups. I know there's a lot of like C-level that they hang out and they bounce ideas off of each other. Founder groups. That's what we're trying to build with uh, you know, our investment fund here. You know, it's like that, that portfolio you know, of peers. You know, that's, that's a great resource to be able to learn from each other. Well, yeah. And I think that like, that's kind of what we're trying to do with all this. And that's actually why we had you on here. Cause so we can learn. So entrepreneurs can, can learn from people who've been doing it. And I won't say done it cause it's never done as you say, but um, we can all certainly learn from each other. And finally, what are you binging on? What are you listening to, watching, reading, eating? You live in a city with great food. So uh, <laughs> what are you binging on? Uh, I guess uh, 
guilty pleasure. Ozarks has been amazing. <laughs> yep. Uh, from a listening standpoint, uh, you know, I it's too hot to run outside, so I'm on the treadmill. I listen to this is a radio station called Get Physical Radio, and it's a weekly show on I think what I think is the best deep house. So uh, look it up. Uh, get physical radio. All right. uh, food wise, I've had uh, I, I get a weekly fixing of this uh, dish called bind sale. It's a it's a Vietnamese crepe, and they have veggies and 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 pork and shrimp inside, and it has a dip, and it's literally uh, downstairs from where I live, so oh. it's too convenient for me. Oh, you, uh, I, it's my dinner time, your uh, morning time, but you're making me hungry. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> So what's next for you? Like, what are you keeping an eye out for? Um, what's the sort of next milestone for 500 startups Vietnam and for you too, for that matter? Yeah, I, we moved out here mid-January and a few days later, there was uh, the first instances of COVID. We feel very lucky to be out here. Yeah, I think uh, for the most part, had, uh, a lot of things have been uh, under control. But um, we moved out here to really double down on our, the original thesis of uh of what we were doing in terms of early stage capital. Build something long lasting, really formed the, the foundation for early stage capital for Vietnam. And and watch its growth, not just uh, Southeast Asia, but, but Vietnam's growth. Well, Ben Tran, uh, I want to thank you so much. Um, I want to go out and get some Vietnamese food right now based on your description, but um, I really appreciate your your time and your explanation. And, and we will definitely be seeing you in Ho Chi Minh City and continuing to watch you know, all that you guys are doing there. Thank you, Michael. If you are looking to get started on the cloud with AWS, our Activate program provides startups with a host of benefits, including AWS credits, technical support, training, and other resources to help grow your business. Head to aws.amazon.com backslash activate for more. Do us a favor and leave us a review. And if you know someone who we should have on the show, or maybe it's you, reach out to us at startupstories at amazon.com. And subscribe to AWS Startup Stories wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.